Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. It's good. Hey, you know, I love that song that we just sang. It reminded me of a time I was running. I was jogging down the trail. This has nothing to do with today. This is just free information. Running down the trail one day, and I had this sense that God was saying to me, do not be afraid. And as I was running, it was building up inside of me like, no fear, no fear, no fear. And this cat jumps out from underneath a bush. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And it scared me to death. I ne- nearly died. had a heart attack. Shows you how uh, uh, not afraid I am of stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh, just reminded me of that. Anyway, we're glad you're here. So glad that you could join us today. Uh, we are in the second week of a series. If you weren't here last week, uh, you missed a good week. It was Easter week. And uh, last week's idea or the series that we're working with is Welcome, where we're rediscovering the we and welcome. And so uh, many of you have been to places where you felt unwelcome. You, you've been in these places where you've walked in and everybody knows each other and they're talking to people they know and they don't even notice you when you walk in. And, and, and maybe they did and they walked up to you and they gave you a, a weird look or maybe they gave an unsolicited comment and you felt unwelcome in that place. And we've been saying this, that, that great organizations and great communities and great cultures and even great churches, the demise of them over time is that they become unwelcoming. And it's so interesting because the two ingredients that make up the word welcome are we and come. We come together. And so often uh, we think welcome starts with me, not we. And so we have been asking this question, what does it look like for us as a community, as a collective whole, engaging in God's story to be a welcoming, loving community? And so last week we said welcome to the gift. Welcome to the gift. And we looked at this wonderful story, this parable that Jesus tells, where it starts with this master who goes out and he gives this abundance to these lowly servants. And we said last week, the parable is not, hear me again, the parable is not, the parable is not what you do with the gifts that God has given you. That's not what the parable is. The parable is all about a story and a master who begins with giving people abundance, blessing, and gift. And we just said, hey, we want you to be welcome to it because this is what God offers you. That is what the resurrection story is about. So welcome to the gift. And today we're going to be talking about something that if you didn't get last week, well, I'm glad you're here this week because this week we're talking about welcome to God. And I think this is the launch point for the next two weeks. This is a four-week series of where we're heading. So would you pray for me as we begin? Lord, I do give you thanks that you've created this day, that you've given us the sun. Holy cow, we haven't seen it in weeks. But thank you for that. And I pray today that this would be a time that glorifies you and that your words would be in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was August 7th, 2004, when I married the most beautiful, hottest, smartest, soon-to-be greatest teacher and awesome mother in the world. I met, you know, we married Janelle, August 7th, 2004. And um, boy, I tell you what, uh, this is just free advice, man. If you're getting married soon or you're dating somebody, uh, 
I don't know if you know this, but we have the, the, the great deal in it. Like, we don't have to plan the wedding. And you, just free advice, you don't even have to show up to the wedding. You could just put a blow-up doll in a tuxedo, and nobody would even notice that you're gone because all eyes are on the bride, and they should be because they're the best part of the wedding anyway. Um, but, you know, that's it's just was my experience. And I remember the wedding going by so fast. It was like 15 minutes, and it was over. And then we went to the reception, and I'm like, hey, I'm ready for the honeymoon. We, we got the married part done. Let's get to the honeymoon. Skip this reception. Thanks for being here. Eat some cake. I'm on my way. And so Janelle and I went to Cozumel, Mexico. Uh, we flew out August 8th, early in the morning, to Cozumel, Mexico. Hot, you know, sunny, beautiful, beachy Cozumel, Mexico. And we bought one of these all-inclusive packages. You ever been on one of these vacations? The all-inclusive package, right, where everything is included. And so we landed, and the second most important thing that I wanted to do, notice I said second, um, the first was to go get something to eat. The second was to go to the beach and uh, enjoy the sun, and uh, you know, that was included, the sun was included in that package, the beach was included in that package. I wanted to read some books while I overlooked this ocean, that was included. I wanted to kayak with my wife, that was included. There were some things included that I didn't want to be included. We came home one night from dinner, and I look up on the wall, and there's a lizard on the wall. And I don't mean like a little one, I mean a big one. And Janelle says, we're married now, you are my protector. Take care of that lizard for me. I said, all right, I'll do that. And I walked out the door, and she said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to take care of this lizard. And so I went to the front desk, and I said, hey, I don't know if you guys do this, but I've got a lizard in my room, and I'm not touching that thing. I don't know if it's poisonous. I don't know if it bites. I don't care if it does or it doesn't. I don't like reptiles. I'm not touching it. So they send three guys, three guys to come up and take care of this lizard. And you know what? I thought like I was a wimp for not touching it. Well, these three guys were afraid of it too. And it took all three of them to get it out of the room. But that was included. Didn't know that was going to be included. Included was the iguana that perched outside of the front of our, our, our you know, apartment every day. It had a half-eaten tail. It was the ugliest thing I've ever seen. But it didn't take long in this all-inclusive package for me to realize that not everything... Not everything is included. I went down to the little shop, and uh, I wanted to scuba dive. You all ever wanted to scuba dive? Yeah, that's not free. That wasn't included. That was like $150 per person. I wanted to go on the chartered fishing trip. I thought that was free. Nope, you had to pay for that. I wanted to do some deep-sea fishing. I've never done it before. I wanted to catch a big fish. Nope, couldn't do it. Not included. I wanted to go horseback riding on the beach. You know, like the, 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 the romantic pictures of a couple riding. Yep, that wasn't included. And I wanted to ride a scooter like Dumb and Dumber around the island. And that scooter wasn't included. And I kept remembering, thinking to myself, it got to the point where I was like, well, what is included and what's not included? And what was labeled as all-inclusive suddenly became a little bit exclusive to some degree. And you've had this experience. Come on, let's just talk about cell phones for a minute, right? Almost all of us here have bought a cell phone or your parents have bought you a cell phone. And you remember you went down and you bought the cell phone or maybe you've bought a package for your family. And I love this. You get there and they're like, well, you need a data plan. And if you're new to phones, you're like, what's a data plan? Well, you get charged for sending free information that's no longer free. I mean, it's really kind of a dumb thing. It's like charging for emails. Um, but anyway, like you have data that you use and you need to pay for it. And so they tell you, they say, we want to give you the unlimited, the unlimited data plan, the all-inclusive. Like you'll get everything you need on this package. And then you see the price tag and you're like, nope. 
And so you buy the 10 gig or whatever they label it. I don't know. You, you, you buy what you think is necessary because it's cheaper. But then you got your first bill. And they told you it was going to be around 140 and, and it was twice that. And you're thinking, what is the problem? So you go in, the, you go in back to the store because you can't read the bill. You don't know what the extra charges are. I mean, nobody knows. And so somehow they can read them and they look at them. And they say, oh, well, um, it must have been your son or your daughter. They sent 1,300 text messages and you're only like allowed like 200. And so all those messages cost money. And you're like, well, I can't do this every month. And so they say, hey, we want to give you the unlimited data plan. And so you think, like, this is the best plan. Okay, I'll, I'll go with that to save some money. And then you go to the airport, and you want to watch Netflix, or you want to watch something, and, and you've had this. You go to, to, to go on the movie or the show, and the wheels start spinning. And you don't know this, but in that unlimited data plan, there is, quote, fine print that, that allows the carrier to reserve the right to slow your data speeds down. In times of, quote, congestion, that's what they say. Did all this research online, it, you know, I just did it for you. But times of congestion, they don't even define what congestion is. But here's what's interesting. The people that have the unlimited plans, you, you have an unlimited data plan, guess what happens in times of congestion? You actually get moved to the back of the line because you are using up all the data space. And people who don't pay for unlimited plans, People who have 10 gigs actually move to the front because they know, they know that these people aren't going to use up all the data. Did you know that? The reason why your phone is running slow is because you've got the unlimited all-inclusive package. But what they do is they take you and they put you in the back. And so you won't be using up all the data world in congested areas. So you actually, for paying more, you get less. Like you are sold this unlimited all-inclusive package and you actually, there's a lot of fine print. That excludes what you can and can't do. Now, I wonder today if for you the church has felt like a bunch of fine print. You ever feel like that? Oh, like, I love driving by churches. I, I think uh, church messages on boards are goofy. But you've driven by a church and it says, all are welcome. Or God loves you. Or come as you are. And what's funny is the message on the board actually doesn't match the mission of the church. Like, you showed up and you walked in, and you remember that moment you walked in, and, and it looked at you funny, or like, hey, you don't belong. Why do you have so many tattoos? Why are you wearing that shirt? Why? Like, no, you, you're not dressed like we are here. And, and, and the message on the board doesn't match the mission. Like, it says we're all inclusive, but what we get is something that's really exclusive. Or, or maybe you walked in and you felt welcome and then you shared something about your life, like the mess of your life, because just come as you are. We love having messes in church and you came to church and the next thing you know that someone you shared it with was sharing it with someone else and everybody in the church was looking at you like, and you were like, yeah, I don't want any part of that. And what happens is we, we feel like we are walking into a space in a place that's supposed to be all welcoming and all inclusive. And yet it is one of the most exclusive environments we ever feel and experience. And you know what happens? And maybe you've done this is people just walk away, never to return again. And what's so scary is we don't even notice. And let's just be honest. We don't even care. Because those messes are really messy. And it's so interesting because the church, I think, is supposed to be one of the most welcoming, we-driven organizations in the world. We are some of the most exclusive people 
And so today, I think John gives us an insight. In fact, if this has been your experience, we want you to reimagine what God is doing. And so John introduces, introduces us today um, a different kind of God who actually gives us insight to God's perspective on communities that become exclusive. Yeah, God actually has something to say about that. And so he, he writes this through the eyes of Jesus, through the story of Jesus. And if you don't know who John is, John was one of Jesus' followers. He saw everything. He witnessed everything. And what's great is John was privy to conversations that other disciples and other people weren't. And so he gets to tell us details and stories about Jesus that other writers and other people don't. But what I love is John reintroduces us to a different kind of God. And John wants to say, welcome to God. And so we pick up the story. I love it. He begins by giving us a bunch of detail. He says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed over to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd, this is key, a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed and all of the healings. It says, then Jesus went up on the mountainside and he sat with his disciples. Now I want to pause here. Okay, because this is extremely important. John's giving us a lot of detail, and what he says next becomes the backdrop for what Jesus is doing. Y'all, anybody watch Weather Channel, like Weather Man, Weather Woman? One of the things that they do is they use a green screen, right, to give you a visual, to give you a picture of what the weather is going to look like over the next few days. And could you imagine if it was just green? It wouldn't tell you a whole lot. They get it wrong half the time anyway. But, I mean, it's just like, it wouldn't give you the full understanding of what's happening. And so what John says next is like the green screen for Jesus. It gives us the backdrop for what Jesus is about to do. And so here's what John says. He says, the Jewish Passover festival was near. Now, I know some of you are familiar with Passover. Some of you are not familiar with with Passover. But Passover is this big celebration. It would be like taking Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter and combining it into one massive celebration. And this was a time where they would gather together to commemorate and to remember this time where there was a God who was doing something different in history. See, Scripture tells us that, that the, the, the Jewish people were enslaved in Egypt. And they began to cry out, Lord, help us. Help us. We're exhausted. We're tired. We are under the oppressive foot of Pharaoh. And what's so crazy is this is what's different. It tells us that God hears their plea. God hears their cry. You know what God did to people back in that day who were crying? They smushed them. They killed them. They squashed them. They didn't listen to them. But God listens to them. This is Passover. This is what they're celebrating. And so then he takes this low-life murdering leader who has been kind of unwelcomed in the community. And he says, I need you to go back to the place where you murdered somebody. And I need you to lead people out of this. And so he takes the most unequipped, insufficient, insecure person in the world to do this amazing job. And so God pulls this community out of their oppression and he moves them. And he rescues them. And it's an amazing story. But it's about, it's about a God who is taking people who are on the outside. He's taking those people and he's making them included and welcomed and part of his story. And you know what they do with that story? You know what the Passover became over time? 
It became exclusive. It became exclusive. And the Passover meal, what was meant to be for all people, people who were rescued, suddenly became about this exclusive community who, who gathered together and people who weren't part of this, who didn't understand, weren't welcome. So John begins here. This is the backdrop. The people have become some of the most unwelcoming people. They are law-abiding citizens. They don't appreciate outsiders. In fact, we know that when they left Egypt, there was a group of people who followed them who were considered outsiders, and they left them on the outside, not a part of the community. So John tells us this story to say, listen, God was trying to do something great in history, and the people missed it. So here's what he says. He, he dives in. He says, when Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, I love this, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? I love this. He asked this only to test Philip, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And so Philip answered him. You ever been asked a question, you feel like no matter what the answer is, you're going to get it wrong? Okay, this is where Philip is. Philip answers him. He says, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, it's interesting to me. I want to stop here for just a second. Because Jesus has this crowd approaching him, and John tells us that there are 5,000 men. It doesn't say women and children. So we could only surmise that there may be 10, 15, or 20,000 people approaching Jesus and Philip. And if you had 20,000 people approaching you, you'd be freaked out too. Right? So, so you, can, you can sense the tension. You can sense what's going on. Like Philip is freaking out. And Jesus asks one of the most profound questions in history. He says, he says where are we going to buy bread? Where are we going to buy food? For all, and notice he says, these people, hang on to these. Hang on to that. And Philip answers him. But this question, I gotta go back to it. This question is not actually about bread. Notice that it says that, that he was trying to test Philip. It actually, the question is about what Philip believes to be true about God. See, in his mind, he's thinking, well, where are we going to buy bread? Where are we going to find money for all this? But the question is not actually about the bread. It's actually what he believes to be true about God. And so he answers. And he says, where, it's going to take half a year's wages, half a year's wages to, to find enough bread for each one. Now, I love this because you hear Philip, and we think that he's concerned about everybody. When he uses the words, each one, we think that he's concerned for everyone. But then you begin to hear this language of scarcity. What happens when there's not enough to go around? He says this word, wages. And this is important to the story because this is where it shifts. It appears like he cares, but all of a sudden, when, when, when things become sparse and when things become scarce, he says, where are we going to find these wages? And what he's doing is he is quantifying and he is qualifying who's going to eat and who's not going to eat. You get this? 
like when we do this, when we get in a place when there's not enough to go around, you know what we do? We get to say, you get to participate and you don't. You get to eat and you don't. Guess what he's doing? He's saying, these people get to eat and those people don't. These people get to eat and those people don't. That's what Philip is doing. And I know that the words these and those we think are just semantics, but it's actually a revelation of God's proximity to people. Those two words, these and those, it is a revelation of God's proximity to people. These represents a nearness. And those stands for those will always remain at a distance. And so when Jesus says, these are my people, this is my crowd, these are mine. In other words, look at the proximity, all these people I want near to me, he's inviting them. And as I begin to read this, you notice that Philip is separating these and those, these and those, these and those. I begin to think, who's who's in Jesus' crowd at this point? You ever wonder who was in that crowd of 20,000 people? I do. Because when we put a crowd of 20, 25,000 people together, it gets pretty diverse. And and I'm going to read this part because I don't ever read um, to you. But I'm going to read this part because I don't want you to think that I've made a mistake when I said this. But I I truly believe when we think about who's in God's crowd, as 20,000 people approach him, we see sick people. We see poor people, we see lame, we see deaf, we see prostitutes. And I know that it doesn't say it here, but come on, their struggle back then was our struggle today. It's no different. I bet, I just bet in a crowd of 20,000 people, there were gay people, there were straight people, there were beggars, there were Buddhists, there were black people, there were women, there were single mothers, there were white people, there were Muslims, there were moms, there were refugees, there were immigrants, there were dads, there were students, Hispanics, uh, there were blue and white collar, Asians and emos. These are all God's people. And you know what's funny? Is I bet in the mention of all those names, there's a cringe inside of one of us, inside of you and inside of me. Because we have an indifference. We don't like and we don't think that those people are part. And the question I want to ask you is, are we ready for the crowd Jesus has? Because the people that are in Jesus' crowd are not the people that we want in our crowd. Right? We get pretty exclusionary. We claim that we're all inclusive. We claim that we love everybody. But come on, let's just be honest. A gay couple shows up to church, and what do we do? Come on, you don't belong here. I'm sorry. God's love isn't good enough for you. And I just am asking this question, even of me personally. Are we ready for the crowd God has for us? Are we ready? And just as you begin to, to answer that question, just when you think you're ready to answer that question, Jesus says one of the most profound things, I think it is the most important thing in history that we've ever heard of. And maybe you've missed this in John's gospel. But John puts it here because he's remembering a community that's become exclusive. And John wants us to see God is doing a different thing. And so he says this, I love this. Check it out. He says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I need to stop. You remember this part of the story? 
He says, I'm the bread of life. The story begins with Passover, where God is redeeming people. He is re redeeming a group of people. And then it begins with this story about God feeding people bread. And then it moves to, I am the bread. In other words, this is a new Passover, what Jesus is doing. I know you know the old story, and I know that it's only central to the Jewish community, but Jesus shows up and he says, no, not anymore. I'm the bread. I'm the one that feeds you. And he says, these people are mine, and you're invited to it. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you, you do not believe. And then he goes on. All those, now listen to this. Come on. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will what? Never drive them away. All those people that come to me, I will never drive them away. And then he goes on to say this. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, not to do what I want, but to do the will of him who sent me. And here's his will. And this is the will of him who sent me. That I shall, listen to this, lose none of all those he has given me. I don't know if you know this, but this is, I'm just excited about this. Like, God has been sent on a mission to include all of those people. And he doesn't want to lose a single one of them. It says that he wants to raise them up. I want to give them new life in the last day. And then he finishes this. This is my Father's will. Is that everyone who looks to me and believes in me will have life. Now I read through this. And I wonder to myself, at the beginning of the story, Jesus says, where are we going to find bread for all these people? And then he shifts to the end of saying, I don't want to lose any of those people. And I, I was thinking to myself, why would he shift from these to those, these to those, these to those? This is what Philip was doing. You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. And it, once again, it's about proximity. Notice this. This is so awesome. Jesus starts referencing those people because there are people that I drive away and there are people that you drive away. There are people that we drive away that we don't want to be part of this church, that we don't think belong in this church, that aren't welcome here. And Jesus says, the people that you're pushing away, the people that, that we don't think belong in this community, the ones that are marginalized and oppressed, and we don't think that, that they're good enough or clean enough or, or they're Christian enough to be here, the ones that you drive away, he said, all those people, I'm wanting them to become these people. All those people, we've used that language, those people, us versus them. Jesus says, it is my goal to draw them to me that I would not lose a single one. This is John's story. John said, do you remember the community that was saved and rescued and then became exclusive? I want to welcome you to a God that is all-inclusive. And this is it. This is what I want you to know. Welcome to God where those become these. 
welcome to God, where those, the ones that are at a distance, become these. They are present at God's feet. I'm excited about this because that's good news for you. That's good news for me. That's for good news for people who don't even go here that should be going here to this church. So let me just say this. I don't know your experience. Maybe, maybe you have felt like one of those people. Maybe your church experience or maybe your faith experience is that people look at you and you have felt like pushed aside. You felt like you are not welcome. You felt like you don't fit in to the mold. I often feel like that. You don't fit into the mold of what people want. And you just decided, I'm going to walk away from God because if that's, what, if that's what these people represent, I want nothing to do with that God. And John is pulling you back in to reimagine God's story to say, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 you are welcome. You are welcome. I don't care where you are or what your mess is. You are welcome. You are one of these. And let me just say this. If you are already one of these or you consider yourself one of these, at what point are you going to begin to look out and realize that those out there are meant to be here and to become one of these? I hate to tell you, but we are not viewed in a way as welcoming. We are viewed as stuffy and angry and unloving and unwilling to love people who look different than us. Is that the God that you met when you first came here? Is that the God you experienced? I, I truly believe that if, if, if we believed what Jesus has to say, that he wants to lose none of those, then we wouldn't be okay with people who are lost. That we would be inviting people. We would be inviting people to experience the good news that Jesus offers them. But you know what? It's so much about us. We think it's all about us and we forget that God's the one that does all the work. By the way, that's next week. You should come back. It's called Welcome to Getting Over Yourself. No, I'm dead serious. That's next week. Welcome to Getting Over Yourself. Because we forget that God is the one that does the work, not you. You're just a vessel that goes and gets to meet people and love people and show who God is to them. But he's the one that does the work. And we want to discount and say, they're not going to listen. They're not going to hear. They wouldn't like my church. They wouldn't like the pastor. They wouldn't like the music. They wouldn't like anything that we do anyway. So why would I invite them? Who are you to do that? Oh, yeah. Next week we talk about becoming less, too. <laughs> I'm really excited about next week, so you should come back. You get a taste of this. But I'm, I, I want you to hear this, that we live in a kingdom of God where all are welcome, where none are lost, and where all of those become these. And so here's what I want you to do this week. Here's a practice I want you to participate in. By the way, did anybody last week go out and do something extravagant for themselves? My wife did. She took a shower. <laughs> Good job. She smells fresh. <clears throat> Here's what I want you to do this week. You go to the store, you go get coffee, you go to work. You go, I mean, you go to quite a few places. Just count the places you go to in a week. This week, I want you to have your eyes open. And I want you to find somebody, and you don't have to get close to them, and you don't have to, but I want you to discover somebody who is not like you. 
I don't care if it's race. I don't care if it's socioeconomic status. I don't care if it's the neighborhood that you live in. I don't care what it is. Find something different about somebody. And when you see them, I want you to give an act of grace to them. Whether you pay for their groceries, I dare you to do that. Pay for their groceries, buy them a cup of coffee, or do something kind and generous for them. I want you to do this. And when you do, as you begin to look at them and you begin to extend this, this, this graceful gift to them, I want you to be reminded that those people are meant to be these, that they are welcome to the gift God gives them. May it be a reminder of what God can do. The creator of the universe can change lives. Do you believe that today? It's good. Welcome to God.